Good morning and welcome to episode 67 of the Quickie Podcast. Thanks for being here, everybody. I hope you have a fantastic day planned, but first, you gotta listen to this. Today, my guest is Chris Sove. He's a creative director from Los Angeles, Canadian-born, born in Vancouver, did the Emily Carr thing. Uh, we talk about him freelancing while he was living in New York through the recession era and what that was like. We talk about his love for books and the book hoarding and collecting and how he goes back to them um, for inspiration. We talk about his time at a company called Adbusters when he was doing work for art galleries and artists such as Banksy, which you may or may not have heard of. And we get into a story about the most challenging time in his design career, and that was when he released a shirt. Um, it was always available around the world for a number of years, but then when it launched in Canada, it made a real big deal, and it ended up getting axed and pulled from stores because of it. He talks about the controversy around it and what that was like and his side of the story. So this one is a fascinating interview, guys. Let's get right into this. Chris Sove. Here we go. Welcome to the Quickie Podcast, the daily interview show where we talk to graphic designers about their journey to the creative field, and we do it in 30 minutes or less. So, are you ready for a Quickie? Good morning, Chris. Thanks for being on the show today. Thank you. Good morning. Awesome. Are you ready for the Quickie? Yes. Perfect. Let's get going. Briefly tell the listeners about yourself. Uh, I'm a creative director and I live in Los Angeles via Canada. <laughs> <laughs> via Canada. I love that. And you were born in Vancouver, right? Yes. boy. So what made you make the switch? Um, I, well, I moved to New York, I guess, yeah. back like 2005. And um, I guess I just wanted to kind of explore, see what was out there. And yeah, and then I ended up in LA uh, about a year ago. And how long were you in New York for when you moved there? Um, I guess it was 15, 12, 13 years. Wow. See, I was yeah. there for three weeks and I loved it. I just fell in love with the city. It's a great city. It's It's a lot of fun. Yeah, we stayed in Brooklyn, uh, but spent most of our time sort of in up and down Manhattan. And uh, yeah, I can't wait to get back. Yeah, it's fun. Don't go now. It's really humid. Oh, no, no. I avoid, <laughs> I've been told to avoid in the heat of the summer. Yeah, it's, yeah, uh, September, late September, early October mm -hmm. was great. All yeah. right, so now I want to I want to dive a little bit more into the your Vancouver life and your childhood, and I want to hear about what that was like. And do you feel that you had a creative childhood, and what made it that way? Yes, for sure. Um, you know, I would say, I mean, you know, most of my childhood, I think, was spent um, a lot in in very rural areas. Um, you know, um, like in the Okanagan. Oh, nice. Um, that's a place there and in the middle of the woods. And my dad's, he's a painter and a musician and my mom's very artistic as well. And, you know, I think growing up in that way, like we didn't, we didn't watch a lot of TV. Like I was kind of, you know, exploring in the woods a lot or, 
you know, going to lakes and with dog, with, with my dogs and my friends. And I think it, it really, you know, that kind of exploring really helped me. And, and, and of course my parents too, like, you know, mm-hmm. helping my dad set up his studio and, and doing all that. But, um, I definitely think that that really helped. So you had creativity coming from both sides of the family. So both parents. Yeah. Yeah. They're both extremely creative. Yeah, for sure. So your dad was a musician. Uh, he was, well, he was, um, a painter and he was a musician and also a photographer. So he, he had a studio where he was doing, you know, photography and then the painting and then, uh, you musician just on the side. He was really Mm -hmm. easily got music and yeah. So did you go out to sort of photo gigs with him and, and help him paint? Like, were you right in there? I was, yeah. He he had a studio, and then I had like a mini studio inside of that when I was, you know, really young. Yeah. And then I used to help with um, setting up. He would do, uh, like his paintings are a lot of like landscapes and stuff, but mm-hmm. it was, I would set up the, you know, the projector and that kind of stuff. I remember doing all that and kind of you know and then learning like what you know paint supplies do what and brushes and and you know all that kind of stuff so you had a you know an early entrance um to sort of the art and design world and um painting was kind of your entrance to that yeah yeah definitely Uh, (laughs) not not good painting but yeah hey we all have to start uh, somewhere right yeah exactly yeah, Got that's it. fun. And do you still have some of those pieces that you created early on? I don't think so. I have I have some of my dad's paintings and his photography, but um, yeah, I don't I don't remember painting anything that great. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'll just start somewhere for sure. Yeah. Um. So I want to go back then to when you maybe first started noticing design or you know art out in the world outside of that studio environment. Was there a moment? out in the world where it just clicked and connected for you? I think so. I think, you know, at that age, I think like, you know, was it, it was in, in the eighties. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think like, you know, during the eighties, you know, in Canada, we had much music television, I right? I remember it fondly. Yeah. And I think like that and kids in the hall and like the eighties were just like this, you know, opulent, bright colors, pop culture, And, um, you know, and then I would go through like fashion magazines and, and kind of find like the black and white ads and then color them in with like highlighters and stuff like kind of Warhol looking. (laughs) Oh, cool. Yeah. I, yeah, I was kind of obsessed with advertising. So you took like the black and white pictures and like 80, 80s fied them or put your 80s spin on them. Yeah, totally. Very cool. Um, so that. Interesting, and I remember much music so well. Yeah, it was great. They used to have all of the events like in in the you know in their studios in Toronto, and you'd have fans like lined up out front, and then oh sl- right, yeah, slowly it started like slipping away. So when when I was younger, like the idea of going to Toronto and like, going by the Much Music Studio was like this huge deal, and you wanted to try and do that. Yeah, what was that called? They had a name for it, right? Um, oh, like live man. on the live on the street or something. They had a camera, something like that, hundred percent. But they would like yeah. fill that street with people. I remember seeing that. Yeah, that was great. 
Good times, man. Memory lane. Yeah. <laughs> so I want to know if there has been, you know, a design or a or an art piece or a project that stood out for you as the most influential design of your life so far. Something that maybe directed you in a certain career path or um, just something you've seen and really stuck with you. Um. Yeah, I would say probably uh, some friends and I back in like 2008, I was at Dine von Furstenberg and there was rumors about Anna Wintour being replaced by Kareen Reutfeld mm-hmm. at Vogue. And um, I created the, the Save Anna campaign, which was, it was during the recession and everybody was like laid off and we were like, you know, going out clubbing a lot. And um, <laughs> yeah, that was, I, it was fun. I was inspired by, you know, that whole Anna Winter, Carl Lagerfeld, all those guys, Andrew Lou and Tally. And then we created this kind of like fun movement, Save Anna. And then um, I think that was really fun because I think that, you know, the recession wasn't fun, but it was kind of like a moment where you could kind of, you didn't care. Like you were just like, whatever, like everything's kind of, you know, shit right now. So we just kind of created fun stuff and went out and, and did our thing. So I think that was, that was kind of a, I remember that time as being really creative in New York for sure. So in that recession time, what was like, you were in New York for that time. Yeah. What was that like? What, what tell, tell me about that. How did it impact your world? Like the world, the creative world that you were in? Well, I think it was, you know, I'm glad I was already freelance before because I think like it wasn't that hard for me to go, okay, well, I'm going to pick up projects. And there was more projects because people, you know, were, weren't hiring in house. So there was a lot of, you know, pieces of work you could get here and there. And then, um, yeah. So I think it, it wasn't too difficult as a freelancer, but, um, yeah, I think it was, it was kind of like a moment I think where you're just like, you know, I was, I'm Canadian, so I have my, um, my passport. So I was like, I might have to move back. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Like, you know what I mean? Like I was just really, New York's expensive. So I yeah. was, you know, and I was really young. So yeah. You're like, if this goes really sideways, I can just bounce back to Canada. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. You know, and, um, yeah, and I already been there in New York for five years. So I was like, oh, that might be enough time anyways. Mm-hmm. But it ended up turning out fine. So, yeah. Yeah, and you stuck it out another, you know, almost 10 years. Yeah, yeah. So I want to know what your answer is going to be to this one, because I feel like you might have a few. Um, but who is a designer or a brand that you look up to or closely follow? And what is it about them that you like? Yeah, there's a lot. Uh, so like a design movement or... Yeah, interpret it however you want it for sure. So it could be a specific designer or a specific category of design and some brands that yeah. are hitting the mark with that. I would say, I mean, I, I'm inspired a lot by like rebels, like, you know, like punk, like mm-hmm. definitely the punk aesthetic. Like I follow a lot of, um, you know, like old punk flyers and, and that kind of thing. And then I would say probably designer with a brand would be uh, for sure. Like come to Garçon. Uh-huh. Um, I just love everything they do. They're always pushing limits. They're always kind of doing, you know, going against the grain with whatever they create, which is awesome. Uh-huh. Um, yeah, I would say that kind of stuff. I like, I like, I like designers or 
or brands that kind of just kind of rebel and kind of, you know, change things up. Mm -hmm. That's yeah. You know, that sort of whole punk era and the impact of that on design. um, I I really got into that conversation with Jonathan Strebley, a previous guest uh, of the show from a couple of episodes ago. Um, So that would be a a really interesting one to, for, for you because he talks about the tie in um, of that in design. It's amazing. It's very raw. I think that's what it is. It feels very, you know, with the photocopier and it's just very hands-on and I love that. Mm-hmm. And he talks about how, you know, the whole punk movement is to, was originally designed to just get attention, you know, and right. once you have that attention, what do you do with that attention and, and the proper ways to, to use that attention? Right, right. That um, makes sense. So I want to ask you a little bit about your particular process and what might make your process unique. Can you tell us a bit about that? Yeah, sure. Um, I'm a book hoarder. (laughs) (laughs) So I have like hundreds of books. So every time I start a project, so like say with Mark Jacobs, when I get a project, I kind of, um, you know, I'll just take a couple days and I'll just kind of grab a bunch of books and just go through and bookmark and you know use my i'll use my iphone just to take photos of stuff that Mm -hmm. i like and then um and then also online too i go you know and take examples from there and then i i bucket them into different categories so you know like different categories that will work for the project um and then look at all the boards and then kind of edit it down from there Mm -hmm. and then just kind of filter until I have like something where I'm like, Oh, this makes sense. You know, like whether it's like, you know, using our Raymond, uh, Petimon, is that how you say his last name? Um, kind of example with that. And then maybe it's a mix with the, you know, an ad from the 1960s and, uh, Steven Sprouse t-shirt or something, you know what I mm-hmm. mean? Like, and then just kind of create it from there. But I guess that's, that's where most, I love going through books. So you kind of use a mix of books and online to really pull together and create your own mood board that, that, that pulls you in the direction or you think really hits the mark for, for the inspiration on that project. Definitely. Yeah. I, I mood boards. I love doing those. It's my favorite. I'm a, I'm a screenshot guy. So I have my camera roll and my phone just filled with screenshots and I know the screenshot shortcut for my iMac really well. Isn't that great with iPhones? I think there's just so much, so much inspiration now. You can just find, you know what I mean? You come across something, just a quick screenshot. You could throw it in a folder. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, it's great. You know, but hearing about that uh, you're a hoarder of books, that uh, warms my heart there. I'm a bit of a print nut and a print advocate. So hearing right. that you got a, you know, a house full of books is awesome. Yeah, I think, yeah, it's it's so nice to go through because sometimes with online, I think that, you know, there can be things that trend uh-huh. and it's great, but then it can kind of be like, you know, we've all seen it like the same piece of swipe that comes up over and over yes. <laughs> for different projects. But if you get like a rare book, you know, and there's stuff in there, like there's a, a Jean-Paul uh, Goud book that I have uh, jungle fever from the seventies. Uh-huh. And a lot of that stuff that was published in there with Grace Jones just wasn't ever, I don't know if it's, it's probably digital. I don't know where to find it, but it's just rare kind of stuff that you can find. Mm -hmm. That's helpful. Yeah. Yeah. And just, you know, whenever I get, the other thing I'm fascinated by with books is brand books, you know, 
things that pull together brand, the evolution of brand logos from hundreds of years ago to now. Um, yeah. you know, the packaging design that moved through the times with it. One that I'm really uh, trying to get my hands on right now is the Budweiser brand book because oh, it's, wow. oh, it's bright red, like their color. And it just, it looks awesome. I haven't even seen the inside of it, but just seeing the cover, I'm like, I got right. to get that book. Um, so There's that NASA one. That's really good. Oh, a NASA one. That would be awesome to find. Yeah. And it comes in a silver foil wrapper. Of course. Yeah. Yeah. That's on point. See, that's things that you just can't replicate with an online experience, a digital experience. Right. Yeah, definitely. There it is, man. Print tangible and print. Um, so the next couple of questions I have for you, Chris, take you down parts of your career where you made some mistakes, learned some lessons and grew from it. And I want to pull those lessons out of that um, and maybe share some stories based around that for the listeners. But I promise I turned the bus around and we get to a happy place in the end. Yeah, sure. Um, what has been the most challenging time in your design career so far? Why was it challenging and how did you get through it? Yeah, I would say... I would say, you know, when I first started out, I kind of had this idea of design working in kind of branding agencies, mm-hmm. um, which I, I, I love now. But I think when I started out, I thought, like, this is what you do. You work in, like, you know, a branding kind of agency doing ad work. And I think, like, I just noticed quickly that I didn't really fit in to that world. Like, mm-hmm. I think it was kind of, like I, I could do it, but I, I I didn't feel like it was like it was really the right fit, you know? Yeah. And then that kind of worried me because I was like, oh no, like <laughs> what do I do? You know? Um so I think that was the I think that was probably the the most the part of my career that I was just like, Oh, how do I figure out what to do? Mm-hmm. That was yeah. So from that then what what was the moment or the 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 point of transition to more gearing gearing toward more art direction and creative for the fashion industry. What was that moment? Well, it was I I didn't get into fashion right away because I I finished I finished Emily Carr two thousand three, mm-hmm. and then I had a hard time getting work because my you know my portfolio was all like punk and collage and like there was nothing in there <laughs> that was like here's your ad. Like it was very weird, I think. Yeah. And places they were like, well, we do like real estate and stuff like that. And I love that. I was like, this is very clean. Look, I wish I had that mind, but I, I ended up working at a coffee shop for like a year after graduation. Cause I just, you know, and I would draw on my break and I actually loved it. It was mm-hmm. really great. And then thankfully Adbusters. I started working with Adbusters in 2004 or 2000, maybe mid 2003. Uh And Adbusters was life changing for me because it was, it was locals in Vancouver. Um, and it brought me together with these just really creative minds, writers, um, artists and all over the world. So I got to work with, you know, uh, galleries in New York and London and, um, Banksy at the time, you know, we were working with him a lot, putting his work in, Uh um, Noam Chomsky. And it kind of, it just opened my world up because I was like, oh, wow, there's this whole, you know, just stuff that I never really knew existed. Mm-hmm. And thankfully, the people there like Michael Simons and Valerie Tai and 
Kala Lazen, the editor. Like it was, they were just really inspiring people. And they, I think they taught me a lot and it, I'm glad that happened. And that's how I ended up going to New York at the end. So yeah. Got it. Yeah. So, so now I want to go to a specific designer project. I want to hear a story about that, um, a specific project you were a part of that did not go well or bring the desired result. And what was that like? How did that feel? Um, yeah, there was one. <laughs> it was the, I remember it well. It was, when, so I started a t-shirt line in like 2008. Okay. Um, and so I did like a bunch of t-shirts. It kind of just started by, you know, in the recession. And then it was like, oh, I have a t-shirt company. Yeah. Um, and one of them was a Kate Moss quote and it was uh nothing tastes as good nothing tastes as good as skinny feels and it had a calorie chart okay <laughs> um that had just like zero calories zero nutrition and it, i intended it it's you know all my stuff pokes fun at the fashion industry and yeah. just how ridiculous it is and you know it's very tiny um, yeah exactly yeah and it was like well you know, skinny might be tasting good, but you're not getting any nutrition, you know? Mm -hmm. But, uh, so what happened, I think in 2011, um, basically, um, it was the Hudson Bay, Hudson Bay and Saks Fifth Avenue placed a huge order. So, you know, uh, I was super excited and, uh, my designers were excited. We were like, this is awesome. Like, you know, we're going to be in department stores all over. Mm -hmm. Um, <laughs> so, you know, and I, I, I'm used to controversy. It's always kind of followed me with whatever I do. But um, the t-shirts went into store, and then people. It one day, yeah, I was, I was at, um, I was at a Laird and Partners at this agency, and I was helping them work. And my phone blew up one morning. I woke up, and there was like, I don't use Twitter that much, but there was mm-hmm. like thousands of tweets, and I was like, what? And I look, and I guess this girl went into the store and took a picture of the T-shirt, and it kind of just went viral all over the news. Oh, my God. Yeah, it was like, and it stressed me out. Like, looking back at it, I'm like, whatever. But it was really stressful. In the it was moment, on, gosh, I can't even imagine. Yeah, it was just terrible. And, my like, my mom called me. I was on the news in Canada. And, like, <laughs> I was like, this is way over the top and um did she phone like as the concerned mom or did she phone and say hey you're on the news yeah i think she was she was excited about it and i at the time i just remember being like really just it was kind of crazy to see how the news unwinds because they're they brought a psychologist in and they were like this is harmful to people and i was like they haven't even interviewed me about the concept behind the shirt you know but the, it creates news for them right yeah so um yeah i would say that was a pretty stressful moment okay so what was the what was the conclusion of that that we got to round up that story because <laughs> yeah <laughs> so your float your phone blows up on twitter one morning and then what what yeah. happens next uh well you know there was some back and forth with hudson bay and then you know at the end i you know they pulled the shirt and, you know, I wasn't happy with that. I thought that they could have released a statement saying, you know, this is what the, you know, artist's intention was. But um, it turned out to be fine because it just kind of created more press and sold more T-shirts. <laughs> <laughs> so at the end, it was like, whatever, you know. Perfect. Okay. So you landed yeah. landed it in the end. 
yeah, it was that's, fun. That's that saying. There's no such thing as bad publicity. Right. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think it's true. Enti- I don't think it's entirely true. There could be some things that go real sideways, but especially nowadays, yeah, yeah, for sure. Um, <laughs> so, what is something that you're struggling with in your design career right now? Um, you know, I would say probably. I had a little bit of a creative block for probably a year, I would say, or a year and a half. And mm-hmm. I'm kind of coming out of it now, but it was pretty difficult for sure. Really? How do you, how did you work through it? Did you do some specific, you know, activities or go through some specific exercises to, to try and work through that? I tried a lot. I think, you know, it's, it's really hard when you go through it because you're kind of like, wow, why am I not inspired or not getting ideas or <clears throat> kind of, there's nothing you can really do. Mm-hmm. You know, I tried traveling, which usually really helped, um, you know, getting more books <laughs> and yeah. And I think like the only thing you can kind of do is just kind of wait it out mm-hmm. and, you can definitely exercise, you know, your brain trying to learn new things. But yeah, it was, that was a, that was pretty harsh because it was just like, whoa, you know, where, where's the spark, you know? Mm. Yeah. Where's that moment where it all kind of clicks and comes together. Yeah, exactly. All right. I'm going to turn this bus around and now I want to hear about a project that you've been a part of that you're the most proud of one that just makes your heart sing. Okay. Hmm. Trying to remember. I think probably, you know, the whole during the reset, that whole t-shirt kind of thing when that started, because that was just kind of, it was, it was so fun. And we Mm -hmm. got like, I got, you know, I was collaborating with like Scooter LaForge and um, Patricia Field and kind of, it was just, I think that was really fun. And we were doing like, uh, fashion shows inside of nightclubs in New York. And, um, I thought I would say that was, that was probably the most thing that I'm proud of. Cause it was very, uh, yeah, it was just very fun and raw and yeah. It sounds like it was very you, like it just nailed you, your personality for sure. Yeah, I think so. And it was just like, you know, being, I'm, you know, I love my friends and they're so creative and it was just like, you know, a lot at that time we were, you know, everybody was kind of still starting in the career. So in their career. So it was like, you know, stylist friends could just, you know, it was like you're 11 PM at a nightclub or midnight and Amanda Lepore's there. And we just kind of tore up t-shirts and, you know, did whatever. I had a friend that was a fashion designer and he made mm-hmm. these incredible hats and it was all just like fly by the wind. Do you do you, you know, and everybody did that. And I think it was, very important to take that that year those two years to just really do that and yeah not worry about you know just like a time of unfiltered expression yes exact that's exactly what it was perfect yeah. that's awesome yeah i want to hear from you now about um, what is one design product tool website or, or a community that you just can't live without um, I would say my friends, I think that, you know, they're, I, I'd say each one of my friends is they're so creative mm-hmm. and in different, in different ways. But I think, you know, we get together on a regular basis and, you know, and I think 
you know, I have a, a friend that lives here in the neighborhood and she's always on top of art galleries or what's happening with photography and shoots and another friend that's into packaging. So I think it's just that network that you, you know, that you have that, you know, you get together and you're, you inspire each other, you know? That's and, cool. Yeah. Um, that's a great one. Major props to the friends there. <laughs> They're pretty awesome. So now the time of the show, uh, Chris, where we do the, what's called an ask it forward question. I have a question for you from my previous guest, and then you have an opportunity to ask a question of the next guest. I'm not going to tell you who it is, but you can ask them anything. Okay. So first, uh, the question from my last guest, who was Connor Fowler, who is a logo and brand designer out of London, England. And um, his question was straight out, why are you not on LinkedIn yet? And the reason behind that was there's a lot of designers out there who are not flexing their LinkedIn muscles nearly as much as they should. Now, I know you're on LinkedIn. Yeah. But I want to then turn this question a little bit and ask you, how could you better utilize LinkedIn for your business networking? Mm, I think, yeah, I think that's one thing that like all artists and creatives struggle with sometimes Mm -hmm. is like, how do we market ourselves? And how do we, and it, it, it's such an important part of what we do. The business side of creative, right? Yeah. Like, you know, um, I think that, yeah, I I would say I I don't post a lot of projects on LinkedIn, you know, as much as I should. Cause again, like my work, it's not like it's, it doesn't really resonate with that kind of ad kind of stuff, you know, ad studios or agencies, but, um, I definitely think it's important. I mean, it's, you know, I, I've, I've definitely used LinkedIn to like just randomly email, you know, like a video game on my phone and just be like, Oh, there's the creative director of Calvin Klein, whatever. I'm just going to send an email and reach out and, mm-hmm. you know, kind of like a telemarketer just cold calling, <laughs> you know, when I was starting out cause it's free and it's this wonderful tool. How else would you be able to reach out to, all these wonderful people, you know, hundred percent. And I mean, years ago when Twitter was newer, that was the the vehicle for that. Um, but yeah. now with it being so busy, such a busy space, um, yeah, it become it's it's less influential in that direct messaging contact area, I believe. But yeah, LinkedIn right now is just like untouched. Yeah, yeah, it is, and it's it is really it's great. I mean, and. Yeah, I mean, that, especially just for cold calling, keeping in touch with, you know, so many people. And I haven't explored, I see that, you, like, the news feed and all that stuff. Like, but I guess, like, you can curate it better so you get more personal stuff. But mm-hmm. I haven't done that yet. Got it. So what is your question that you want me to ask the next guest? Oh, that's a tough one. I guess... Maybe the most, maybe most influential, I would say, influential art show or gallery. Mm. I think we all have, you know, one of those shows that you go to and you're like, oh my God, this is amazing, you know? Perfect. I'm going to ask them. Great. Perfect. Chris, you made it to the end of the podcast, man. I so appreciate your time and you being uh, on the call this morning. Thank you. It's great to meet you. 
All right. Thank you so much for listening to today's episode. Thank you for spending some of your time here. Please tune in tomorrow because you know I'll be back. See you then.